of George Knapp listening to that UFO podcast and having one hell of a good time. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and this is a breaking news reaction to the UFO hearings that as I record this happened only an hour or less than two hours ago. Joining me for this one, I have author and known hater of UFOs and aliens, Graham Rendell. Graham, welcome. (laughs) Hello Andy, thanks for that. And very much looking forward to this guest coming back on. You'll know him as Tiny Klaus on Twitter, friend of Tom DeLonge, I think, to many of us. (laughs) But yeah, Klaus, welcome back. Thanks, man. Good to be here. Listen, very good to have you both. Uh, Very informal chat on this one, not the usual structured glory that I I pride myself on, uh, I joke. Um, Dan is travelling and between internet signals at the moment, and literally, again, as we record this, Tom DeLong's retweet one of his t-shirt designs, so he's currently unconscious somewhere, um, (laughs) trying to be revived by Elena, who's obviously travelling with, and their their, uh, canine friend, Lamb Chop, as well. So Andy woke up ill, so double whammy. Um, but Dan will be with me in a couple of days to record a breakdown and uh, analyse the, the hearings, what happened afterwards, and, and get some big statements. This is a chance for us to get together and literally hot off the press, talk about what happened. And I want to start this off by saying, you know when you go to a comedy club and you have a great night, you laugh, you laugh the whole time, and then the next day someone says, oh, what was the best joke? And you can't really remember what was said but you just know it was good. I get that kind of feeling with this that already uh, Dan was texting me because he hadn't long, you know, got got round to to seeing things and he hadn't checked it. And he was like, oh, what was the good stuff? And I was like, "Ah, I can't really remember. Um, But it was really good. So, so yeah, um, initial reaction from both of you. Graham, let's start with you. What did you think? I think you summed it up pretty well there. It was one of those, it was a a huge spectacle. There was always the kind of... um, possibility that it was going to go pear-shaped you might get somebody who just stood out and wanted to make a name for themselves and uh, and turn it on his head but that didn't happen everybody was quite respectful they were really respectful to the witnesses they, they gave them space to talk didn't cut them off or anything like that i just felt that it was yeah it was a real plus uh, i came away from it thinking do you know what that's much better than i thought it was going to be uh and close yeah i agree um i was really blown away by um uh, David Grush, uh, he, his testimony, just the way he presented himself, um, I feel like it, it really gave him um, a lot of credibility. Um, he seemed at home in front of you know that that congressional uh, committee, and just really, he he seemed like comfortable in what he was saying, and just his his own um, ability to uh, you know communicate what he did in the government, and um, yeah. He, what he his confidence really said a lot. Yeah, he, he came across like the rock star here. Um, I put a, a poll one hour ago on Twitter that's got over 2,000 votes already, so thanks for everyone voting along. Um, just asking where people pleased with the hearing, and I think it's fair to say 83.2% yes, 6% no, and 10% unsure. That's a hell of a swing, and that's, I think, pretty surprising given... People are really happy on social media to lean towards the negative. And I, I mentioned before the hearing, you know, everyone's got an opinion and that's fine. But that's that's a pretty good indication, I think, of where things sit, especially as, as we are now. So I think overall we can look at this as a, a big success. I was worried, and I don't know about you both, um, for anyone who hadn't seen any of the social media stuff, there were people streaming or filming from the queues beforehand. 
and I worried it was going to get a little bit Hollywood premiere and it would become more of a spectacle than something that was a serious, you know, hearing <laughs> as it was. And right even at the start when they thanked the witnesses for coming in. I think it was Tim Burchett may have been the one. And there was a big round of applause from the crowd. I started panicking a bit. Were they going to like hooter and holler? And we were going to get a bit of that kind of Hollywoodization of this. And I thought that isn't a good look. But again, like I think you've both said that the crowd was really respectful as well. Um, and the applause was in the right place at the right time. So yeah, overall, I was, I was really pleasantly surprised. I'll reiterate, I don't think, again, this was for the UFO connoisseur. I, d- I don't think this is for us to look at and go, oh my God, there were so many new revelations. I think there were a couple of things came out that we maybe didn't know before or, or we hadn't heard potentially. But this has gotten eyes and uh, the attention of the UFO, of the mainstream, who maybe before weren't touching the UFO subject. BBC had it on their breaking news with over a million views on their site after an hour or two already. And I'm getting tweets and WhatsApp messages from folks sending me all sorts of links from all over. So so that's a big plus. Um, Klaus, we'll come to you then. So kicking off, um, we had Chairman, uh, it was Mr. Grothman, who was taking over. And we had uh, a Mr. Oh, what was the dude's name who took over from Burchette? God, I've got Mr. Garcia, Robert Garcia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was a little bit beforehand of the hearings that people thought this was the same Robert Garcia, Garcia, who had links to Lockheed Martin and was funded by them and all that kind of stuff. And it turns out very quickly it wasn't. But I think that would have put the conspiracy machine into overdrive, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was funny that he came out and said it the way he did, I think. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, that whole kind of thing beforehand with them pulling Burchett or I guess it was official. I mean, he kind of led the thing uh, in general. I mean, he, yeah, he seemed like a leader, you know, I, I don't know if it was some sort of a uh, semantic that they had to play or whatever, but it seemed like, it seemed like it went exactly how, you know, Burchett kind of wanted it to. Um, he, he's the one who asked like the hard questions. He, um, yeah, he got some answers out of them that I don't think anyone else would have, would have been able to. Um, and he did take the lead in Luna as well. And it seemed like, yeah, the chairman kind of gave them, gave them the reins basically. Mm. Uh, and I don't know, I think if I was Burchett, I'd be happy, um, you know, with what I got to ask and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that last minute change worried a lot of people and I'll come to you in a second, Graham, but I think Klaus, you're right that it seemed to largely be led by Burchett anyway, like putting Ringo front and centre stage of the Beatles. Everyone was still watching, you know, John and Paul over there singing. And that's the way it came across. Like you say, introduced, Garcia was fantastic. Um, he led it well, but if if anyone had the most time talking, it was Burchett. And like you say, I think very much semantics. Graham, is that how it came across to you? Yeah, I mean, at one point, Garcia actually recognised Burchett's, um, what do you call it, quote, leadership uh, on the issue or on the build-up to it. So I think, yeah, there was a recognition there that, you know, yes, okay, he might have been the, the official lead, but the de facto lead was definitely Tim Bichette, and he certainly had most of the airtime. He even had the laughs as well, you know. Um, he had a, what, there was a bit where he wished his wife a happy anniversary and all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, he, he had the lion's share of the of, of the speaking time. Uh, but I think they were all very good, with one exception, um, uh, Miss, Mrs. Fox uh, with the two X's. Uh, she was the only kind of downbeat note in the whole proceedings. Um, but I think really? beyond that, yeah, I think she was. <laughs> I think there was that one bit where it was just we thought, okay, well that that's yeah, you can you were just waiting for somebody to kind of 
you know, say something like, oh, we don't, we're not sure how real these are. Uh, are these just earthbound things that we're, we're misidentifying? That kind of thing. And I think she was the only um, kind of downbeat note in the whole proceedings. I think everybody else would genuinely uh, kind of just completely mystified about what was going on and wanted genuinely to get to the bottom of it. So um, I don't know about you, but I try and keep it, you know, I, I try and keep this a family-friendly show. But um, I'll just say, Mr. Burleson gave off big dickhead energy um, for me. I I thought, Ms. Fox, I actually have, and do you know what? I've got my notes here for the breakdown when I'm going to do that. But, Graham, I've got Ms. Fox, hell of a question around crash material and off-world mm-hmm. tech, and basically says a statement from Dr. Kirkpatrick from Arrow about no evidence of off-world tech is inaccurate. Well, she got that response from Grush. I didn't get that from her, but I yeah. thought Burleson came across as the guy who's like, who more or less said, I don't believe in all this, you know, I don't necessarily have a lot of time yeah. for it. And he asked some pretty, pretty dumb questions, one of them about the size of the galaxy and the universe. And no. it was like, I know it's, again, nitpicking, but he got it completely wrong the way he worded it. And yeah, I just my, felt like he was sorry, trying my, to come yeah, across like, notes, I don't sorry. believe in this. Yeah, my, I've got my notes mixed up. I'm sorry, Andy. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he just hang was, up. Fine. Yeah, hang no, up I'll, I'll, I'll just stop and, and, and you can just like carry on without me now. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my notes are, hold on, can you see my writing? <laughs> it's pretty important. For, for the YouTube viewers. <laughs> Listen, my notes are horrendous for this as well. It happened yeah. very quickly, and it was pretty, yeah. pretty bang, bang, bang. Um, but yeah, um, what about yourself, Klaus? Uh, I, I mean, the Burleson one for me, he, he came across as the biggest kind of. I, I'll use dickhead in this because I, I put that in the Discord chat. Apologies to Mister Burleson and his family, but you know. <laughs> well, my my notes are just my Twitter feed, but I, I'm just, <laughs> so um, yeah, I think. Um, He's, he came off as, you know, he's, he said right up front, I think, if I remember correctly, he was like, I'm, I'm a skeptic on all this stuff. Um, so, I mean, you know, that was kind of a given. I, as it started, I was kind of worried, honestly, um, with the chairman. I forget his name already. The, the guy. Uh, who, Grothman. Uh, Grothman. Grothman, yeah. He said, yeah, he was like, uh, um, like, like for like 30 seconds or something in the beginning mm-hmm. there. And it was like, he did mm-hmm. not want to be there. It was very clear. And well, he that, had um, minimal involvement. Then Garcia, really? kind of, yeah. 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 I mean, I, it just seemed like he was there for just, I don't know, formality or something, but, um, and then Garcia, fair, he said he had yeah, that interest as a kid, didn't he? It was like, you know, that, mm-hmm. and that yeah, was all true. he really said at the start was, you know, I read books in the library on flying saucers, lack of transparency, it was a, a distrust in officials on the topic, and then handed over to, to Burchett, yeah. who um, submit some statements from Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp, who, whether, whatever you think of Jeremy Corbell, he managed to get himself front and centre. Um, and people don't like Jeremy Corbell. Some folks don't, uh, much as I don't like Graham shuffling that paper in front of his microphone over and over again. But that's just uh, to let Graham know that that's really loud. So before everyone starts tweeting me when we release this. Um, but yeah, he got uh, statements entered into public record from Corbell and Knapp. That'll upset some. Others will like that. Um, mentioned that the Intel community had blocked reports from airline pilots coming straight to Congress. And hopefully, and I think this is probably going to be my summary at the end as well, it's the beginning of many more hearings to come. Is that is that what you guys think? Definitely. Um, yeah, I think so. They can only build on that. That 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 is literally the start of it. They they alluded several times to the fact that they needed more, uh, you know, more more of these kind of things. So yeah, definitely. 
there ended up around 100,000 people watching about 20 minutes in. I've got down at 15 minutes, there was 90,000. 20 minutes in, there was 100, 110,000. Um, so then we get introduced to the the three witnesses who we know are uh, Ryan Graves, David Fravor, and David Grush. For me, David Grush came out this as the rock star. I think as sensational as his claims were on the News Nation piece, where he said a lot of this with Ross Coulthard, uh, and Bryce Zabel in there as well, doing some of that work for through Need to Know. I think Grish came across incredibly well here. I think it was mentioned previously when folks talked about how he spoke. Um, he's got is it an autism um, that potentially it, you know it affects how he speaks or it gives an affliction as to how he speaks. He's so confident and so eloquent. And like you say, Klaus, he's so assured of how he speaks and his knowledge off the top of his head. And Graham, I praise you for stuff like this when it comes to historical UFO sightings and rhyming off numbers, names and dates. Grush is knowledge of what he could and couldn't say and the context as to why he was unwavering. And you could see why a guy like that had the position he did briefing presidents on the things he did. He he wasn't giving an inch, was he, where he didn't have to but or, or didn't want to. But he, he took things right to the line, I felt. And again, it's that age old, he gave a lot of I can't answer that. But the fact there were other questions he very quickly said no to, you can totally read behind the lines of the, of the I can't answer it. Klaus, I'll come to you first. Uh, highlights from uh, any of the witnesses. Yeah, um, that line of questioning with, with Rep Moskowitz about the IRAD, that was, um, I, I couldn't really believe what I was hearing. Um, where he, and that where he was, was IRAD, about, was I-R-A-D. Yeah, uh, yeah, what is it called? Independent Research and Development. I'm not, so, I'm not. Yeah, right. I'm, yeah, I'm a total layman. And the way that sounded to me was that the wording was something along the lines of, uh, companies private contractors will overcharge the government for deliberately for equipment and use the overcharged money to to put away yeah to fund yeah. irad programs which yeah. are apparently just just within the um I, I don't know the specifics i know there's a guy on twitter condor man um who really goes into that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. i think um it's it's very within the company like they basically give them money to to develop something and there's i guess there's minimal oversight because they're just you know developing within the company and not not with and then they you know every once in a while they come back and they're like hey this is what we you know came up with i guess with with that money um or or that program with with our own money i think that's that's how it works but um yeah I'm, i'm not an expert in that whatsoever but um i think we're about to have several hundred experts of it online oh, because yes. as soon as that got mentioned people were like irad 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 and i was like i have no idea what that is one those, so one of those buzzwords yeah. yeah yeah it's about to hit the headlines um what about yourself Graham? what was jumping well, out just to go back to what you've just, just you and klaus have been discussing there i mean mm. remember the line from independence day about you know you want to believe we spend 10 million dollars on a hammer you know, that, that's the kind of thing that yeah. they, they, they do. They bury these things away. Um, the whole thing about some of the black projects, like the, the, the fabled Aurora spy plane, it was all to do with money being thrown at projects, but then not accounted for properly or things being you know, kind of diverted. Uh, money that was spent on something mm-hmm. then being diverted to something else. So yeah, it's quite feasible that they squirreled money away because they've, they've you know, said it was to, to be spent on something else um, or they've deliberately overinflated the amounts that they, they said they were having to spend on on certain projects. So yeah, this is how they do it. Um, and of course, Grush, 
said that he had specifics on you know how they do that kind of thing. What was where he used tradecraft on on how they do it. Uh, but he could only talk about it in a skiff. And of course, that was the the essential, the, the kind of narrative that ran through the whole proceedings was that he had a lot more information that he could share, um, but it was only to be behind closed doors. And then the other side of the coin was that the, the, the people doing the questioning, the congressmen and women, they didn't have the necessary credentials to be in that skiff because that was a whole thing in the Burchette. Mm-hmm. And I think Luna said as well, is, is that right, uh, Klaus? That Luna said that they they tried to get into a, into a skiff um, and they couldn't. Uh, they weren't allowed to. They, I think t- uh, Burchette t- said something about having to jump through multiple hoops to get into it, uh, into into one as well, and it was just beyond them. Um, so, you know, they're, they're clearly lacking in the kind of political clout uh, that they need in order to do the job properly. Uh, and I think that's maybe the only downside to, to this at the moment. Now, whether that gets remedied afterwards, I don't know. But, you know, that, to me, that was uh, the, the major thing that Grush had a lot more information that he has tucked up in that brain of his. It's just that we can't get at it. Yeah. And Mr. Mr. Garcia, who was repping or chairing the event, um, he he mentioned, interestingly, and again, he said this at the start and he said this at the end, that uh, we should never rule anything out when we're looking at this hearing. He mentioned Arrow and NASA both having found no evidence of extraterrestrial life and then repeats that we should come into this hearing with an open mind. And he really seemed to be be hinting at, you know, even though we're hearing this, let's not keep anything off the table. Uh, and he finished his summary at the start with a hearing was a new chapter and start for the UAP topic and building on the past work done, which I thought was a, was a nice touch. Um, the three witnesses came in and they shared their stories as to who they were, their backgrounds. Ryan Graves, we know, was uh, famously seeing the, the objects on radar. He talked about the Cuban side of a sphere on Unidentified as well. Um, David Fravor, famous for the Tic Tac story and seeing the Tic Tac up close, so as close as anyone got to it, um, obviously on Joe Rogan and stuff at the time. And then David Grish, who is the the kind of the newer speaker in the room, only kind of coming to prominence the last few months with Ross Coulthard and his News Nation piece. But like I said several times already, and I really think David Grish is going to be a key figure going forward, he speaks incredibly well. And he mentions how he, him and his wife both suffered uh, pushback for coming forward on this. And it's it's not been potentially potentially easy. I don't think that's um, I don't think that's a surprise, is it? But still, it's yeah, it's not it's not surprising to you at all. It's it's not a surprise these kind of things happen, which is one of the reasons that we're we're having these hearings to get this more and more out in the open. Um, so yeah, some of the things that came out early on, we heard the the, the kind of tic tac story being gone back over, um, the. I've got my, like I say at this point, folks. This is reaction, so my notes are kind of all over the place here. David Grush admitted that he had been uh, put in fear of his life for coming forward with this. That Representative Luna was very quick to say, "Can we just make sure that that's people realise in the public that he's come forward and felt his life was threatened because of what he knows and what he's saying?" So people really should respect this. Um, Ryan Graves talked about the the same objects have been detected worldwide wherever Navy operations are conducted. Um, again, not a surprise. And also, I think one of the, the big eyebrow raisers was the 2003 Vandenberg Air Force Base incident where Boeing contractors saw a large red square leave the ocean, hover over the facility for about 45 seconds and then left. 
multiple witnesses, a large number of witnesses. It then happened again within 24 hours, and the object was described as being about the size of a football field. Pretty incredible sounding one. Were you expecting, Klaus, I'll come to you first, were you expecting that to come up? No, I wasn't, and um, it was cool to hear Ryan Graves talk about that because um, he's, you know, usually like the, the flight safety guy and not like the, you know, the stories kind of like that, but he, he really got into it. Um, and that, that story is crazy. Just, just imagining how that would happen. Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. Even just the, the idea of the fact that you've got that size of a craft, this wasn't just someone seeing, seeing a UFO. This was you know, a pretty, pretty massive incident, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, and Graham, what about yourself? Um, you obviously like to keep this on the on the straight and narrow. And when you hear someone talking about football size field UFO appearing over multiple witnesses, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it wasn't something I had the huge amount of detail about it beforehand. And it was also the bit that he mentioned afterwards. He said not only had it made an appearance a second time, but it also made aggressive maneuvers towards the security staff. Uh, at Vandenberg. Vandenberg's, I believe, in California, isn't it? It's just up the coast from Los Angeles. Um, so, you know, that was some kind of intention. Uh, it had some interaction with uh, the people on the base. So that was quite interesting as well. There was, it was a lot more you know, to it than just people seeing an object in the sky. Uh, there was a bit more of a dimension to that particular case. So I'm sure there'll be much more kind of discussion of that in the days and the months to come, because that's not something that really has hit the, you know, the UFO Twitter or beyond um, that, that I'm aware of that particular case. In 2003, you're going back 20 years. That's mm. not that long ago. That's that's some decent tech. There'll be decent equipment on the base. There should be yep. decent data from it as well. Uh, and speaking of data, one of the big standouts to me, David Grush, talking about having seen satellite imagery that shows things that he cannot prosaically explain. Um he was pressed on this and he said he couldn't discuss whether it applied to crash sites or not, but he had passed on locations and information to the the Inspector General. So that was pretty... And again, this is, I think, where Grush, as the hearing went on, was saying more and more. And you started hearing, you know, I could see that behind closed doors in a skiff. And then other others who were asking the questions, I think, got the idea that I'm going to ask this question, but I think the answer is going to be we have to have it behind closed doors. And I, I hope to God that skiff happens sooner than later because a hell of a lot of interesting questions were getting asked there, Klaus, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. That that Vandenberg, I, I've never heard that before. So is that I, – I, I kind of thought it was – it might have been well-known and I had just, like, not, you know, just missed the boat on it, but um, but yeah, that was that was wild to hear about. So if the, that's the new... only thing for me around it familiar was the football field size object, where I know that's been mooted a few times before. So whether that's just something that's came out as part of that, I don't know. But yeah, I I wasn't aware of that case either. Yeah, the red the red square, like what what is that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I've never heard, uh, and I'm not someone who like kind of digs into individual cases. Um, I'm more of a general, uh, like researching different aspects of it but um i'd never heard of that before so I, I didn't know if that had been you know something i just missed and um but it sounds that that sounds like a wild case i got the feeling at this point timbershet had come back in a few times the the way this worked for anyone who hadn't seen the hearings was the 
the people asking the questions were given 10 minutes. And for example, if if Representative Luna used seven minutes, she could yield three minutes back to, to someone else. And they all started giving Timber Shet their available time, their additional time. So I think, like you said at the start, it really became, you know, he had the reins on this. He was leading it and he, he got the most speaking time. And again, just to slide in, folks, I know a lot of folks don't like his politics, but this wasn't what this was about. So, you know, this was about UFOs and and you've got to kinda you've got to let that kinda happen within that, which is which is totally fair. Um Burchette asked a whole load of questions at one point that I felt I felt some of the stuff was taken from social media. I know they mentioned they were going to do that. And I think uh Luna done the same where there were some questions especially one around if either of you can jog my memory, I never made a note of it. Around oh non-human intelligences were they working in conjunction with foreign adversaries in a technology exchange program and that was a point i went hmm i don't think as much as that's a wow what a great question this wasn't the setting to ask that was it it Graham, wasn't come yeah, to you first it wasn't and it wasn't definitely wasn't a question i think they would have come up with on their own and that that again that was one that jarred with me as well in terms of yeah that's probably come from social media but to be fair you know it's something that yeah they would like to ask it because it might be the only chance they think they might get you know you have to consider from that angle that you know you've got in the back of your mind that yes okay we want other hearings but who's to say that this might not be the you know the last one so the better ask it now than later on and when we don't have a chance or to these three gentlemen um, who, you know, Grush might be in the position to be able to answer that. So therefore, you know, they, they took their chance. Um, so, yeah, I can see why they, they, they went for it. But, yeah, you're right. There were some of the questions sort of like, you thought, yeah, okay, I can almost see the person who's sort of asked that question um, in the first place and it doesn't come and it's not you, it's somebody else on, on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Klaus? Yeah, that, that was a weird one. Um I mean, because those kind of questions, I feel like, are are assuming a lot. Um, you're kind of assuming that they have human-like intentions um, mm-hmm. and they're working along, you know, working with government officials on something. And I think um, Grush was very um, adamant to stay away from that. He, you know, the they asked him why he liked to use the the phrase non-human intelligence, and he's he said he'd like to keep an open mind about what this might be. Yeah, uh, as opposed to you know extraterrestrial or alien or anything like that, and I think that's a really smart way to go about it because I think there's a lot to this that um, we might not even like understand or be able to understand right now. But that's another conversation. Um, but yeah, I think I, it's good to not generalize and and kind of like sci-fi tropes and um, you know at, at this point at least I don't know. Yeah, there's a line, isn't there? And I'm glad we stayed away from abductions and things like that. And again, that's not to say there's not a time and place for that conversation down the line, but it but it isn't yet in, in what is the first of hopefully many of these hearings. Um, David Grish used a, a great, an, not analogy, but description later of talking about uh, it was something to do with dimensional travel or whatever it was. And the way he described it was that he had read a paper that, you know, a 3D object like yourself, imagine your shadow being projected onto a 2D image and that another species or whatever being able to travel between the 3D object to the 2D shadow. And I think it was when Burleson was talking and he was like, so you've seen that? And he's like, no, it was a hypothetical paper, but these are the kind of things that are being discussed. And I just thought that's Graham, but I was thinking Grush has got a lot of things in his head that he's not said yet. Mm. 
and I would love to hear him talk longer, but I get the issue that that's going to be behind closed doors and and not not to the public. Yeah, we're we're not going to ever likely in, in, my, in my lifetime ever get to hear that kind of information. Uh, I think I'd be very, very surprised if that ever comes out. That or anything else that he says has to be behind closed doors in terms of a discussion. If any of that comes out you know, in the next few years um, and the people who then hear it are, are bound by the same kind of you know, restrictions. Um, so, yeah, it's really difficult. All the information that we really want to hear is, is always compartmentalised. Um, whereas we're basically picking over the scraps, you know, the, the details that you mentioned before, there's little bits that, um, quite frankly, we'll fight over, but the general public, you know, the public, they, they, they need the bigger picture. Um, but yeah, I'm afraid we're, we're reduced to like picking out the nuances out of, uh, two and a half hours or whatever it was of testimony and questioning. Uh, but the really good stuff is going to be kept, you know, well behind closed doors. Let me ask you because one of the listeners had messaged me quite quickly after the after the hearing, saying that for all it was great, the worry was just that that a lot of the good stuff, let's say, or the information is going to be kept private. I think though that there has to be an understanding, and I might totally get this wrong, so both of you can correct me or come in here with your opinion or the facts, whatever they may be. That the idea is that we have this hearing. There's going to be then be classified private conversations happen off the back of them where names locations etc can be discussed the idea is congress are going to try and get to materials sites contractors and they've got that six month amnesty period where they want people to hand in you know material or bodies organic matter they may have at that point though once congress get a hold of it they keep talking about transparency you would imagine at that point they would be able to come out and say we have now retrieved uh, craft that we believe to be of non-human origin they wouldn't have to go in and say where they got it or who they got it from but i imagine given the reason for doing this and how they're all talking about transparency they that would still be the plan wouldn't it it wouldn't be they would go away and we would never hear about it it would be they go away they try and get hold of what they can and then they present this to the public in the name of disclosure is which is one of the words used massively throughout the, the new legislation Am I close? I'll come to you first. Am I wrong on that, or where do you sit? Um, yeah, I think it's. I think it was kind of weird how, um, I guess they they were asking about the the biological um, recoveries of, mm. of, of biological evidence from these crash sites, and um, Grush said he would have to talk to them in a in a skiff about yep. that. I thought that was weird because I feel like there's. I feel like there has to be a way to kind of separate the the non-human intelligence presence aspect of this with the technology. The technology seems to be the national security issue. Yep. Um, so I've always been kind of confused about why they can't split that up in some sort of way where they can be more transparent about, you know, there's a presence here. Okay, let's figure out what that is without, you know, giving away the, the tech secrets. Um, so I thought it was kind of odd that the, the biological part of this um, which, you know, Grush has said that there is, you know, evidence of pilots that have been recovered from these, from these crash sites. You know, uh, from a biological point of view though, is there not the potential that those themselves are still classed as technology? Because if say, for example, they've got greys from a recovered crash in Roswell and they open them up and they decide, you know what, this isn't just a living entity. This is something that's been manufactured, in which case they can classify it as biological technology and yeah that's the that that's away. the 
that's the next question. Yeah, is is what if they can't do it, then why not? And that is, I think, a, a very good, a very good question. Yeah, Graham. I think I think also the fact that it, it might not just be the you know the technology in terms of biologicals, as, as I think they call them in the in the hearings, but the fact that if they can communicate with the you know, let's say for argument's sake that they're beings of some description, and if they could communicate with them, then what secrets could they get glean from? these these beings and therefore it becomes Mm. a national security issue because that knowledge and the knowledge is power so therefore you know that that would be wrapped up in the same sort of restrictions as you know technologies nuts and bolts stuff um you know being able to learn about things how you do stuff how you circumvent the laws of physics or or whatever you want to find out so i think yeah i I think the whole thing could still be wrapped up Uh, in terms of you know being able to disclose things because they've had access to certain technology or, or footage or, or, or what have you. I just think it's a case of, you know, um, yes, okay, you're on the outside until you're on the inside. And then once you're on the inside, that's it. You're still on the inside. You, you can't then divulge the information. I think it becomes that kind of, you know, that, that situation where once you've been told, you then fall under the same restrictions as the people who are telling you uh, and you can't divulge it. So I guess you might end up with the situation where they find out, but then their answers are the same as Grush's. I'm sorry, but I can't tell you. You mm-hmm. know, I would only be able to tell you under a skiff. So you know it's almost like a little virus really you know you you don't have it until you until you contract it and then once you contract it you you, you know you're, you're different from other people um until they get it themselves themselves and we'd all have to basically go through skiffs maybe to in order to access the information until such time as it's declassified which could be never sounds like herpes um but yeah <laughs> i know what you mean <laughs> Um, but yeah, listen, um, even thinking, and this is pure speculation, but that, that just gets me thinking when you talk about biological and then maybe it's biological technology, could these things even be almost like in some way, shape or form, like some kind of key that you need the organic matter or the body to get the craft working potentially? Maybe the US have bodies, maybe Russia and China don't, but they've got craft. And, you know, it's that whole idea of we don't want to even let them know that we've got these. And I suppose that would be a reasonable national security. Not that it would be fair or right, but a reasonable national security thing. I don't know. That's just a kind of interesting way to look at it. Um, Phoenix Lights is brought up uh, by Mr. Biggs, who, uh, not Mr. Big, but Mr. Biggs, um, who was uh, telling us he lived in the area. And he has a personal interest as he lives there. And he literally asked those few questions, didn't he, about where could I go and get information on that case of which David Grush said, I've never personally came across any information as pertains that case specifically. But he then followed up and it really seemed like a one-to-one chat, didn't it? Oh, well, where could I go? Do you know where I could go to get that information? And David Grush basically said, yeah, I could put you, point you in the right vector, I think is what he said. So um, he said we would chat chat again behind the scenes but that was interesting to hear the phoenix light case being brought up because i think that's one that even though it happened in 97 there surely would have been good satellite data all kinds of data and sensor data available for any object that size entering and leaving the atmosphere or whatever it may have went to um phoenix light's been brought up close um yeah it's 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 interesting i again I, i have a hard time with individual cases just personally i just um because it's, um, I don't know it. I don't know like the radar data. I don't know how to interpret it. I don't. Yeah. Um, and you know, accounts are 
are great, but I, you know, I wasn't there. Um, but um, I think it's, I think it's definitely important. We need more information on it. Um, you know, I, that's basically where I'm at with the, with those kind of historical cases is, um, you know, every, everything's been put out there that, that can be put out there. Um, and, you know, and like with, with Bob Lazar too, like every, it, it's hard to go back and revisit that stuff for me personally, but I think it's definitely important. And I think, um, for, um, for this, it, it's definitely a mass sighting would definitely move the needle. So I think if something like that were to happen again, um, it, it would be a huge deal. Be massive. And Graham, um, Phoenix Lights, you're the history buff. 97 is almost modern day compared to what you write about. It might as well be. Um, I was wondering whether somebody else was going to bring up Roswell or, or something like that, you know, uh, or even Malmstrom, just the, the thing that was discussed in the, in the previous hearings. Um, yeah, yeah it, it just seemed, it, it wasn't a doubt, it wasn't like a downbeat note, but it just seemed to like derail things a bit because it was, as, as Klaus says, it was a specific case. Um, and I don't think it kind of it made the, you know, the, the discussion go forward any. Um, and of course, out of the three people, Grush was the only one that was likely to know anything about it beyond what's in the public domain. Uh, and even he then couldn't say, he, he then said, I, I believe that he didn't know anything beyond, beyond what he'd seen publicly. So um, there, there was nothing really that could add to it. Um, and, you know, Fravor wasn't there. He, he um, So he doesn't know anything. He wasn't, he wasn't even Air Force. He was US Navy. Uh, and, and the same with, with Graves as well. So I, I, they didn't have any, any real input into that you know, particular line of questioning. I can understand from the gentleman's co- uh, concerned about his, what, his desire to try and find out what was going on because that was in his, his area. But really, it, it sort of derailed the process just for a few minutes, I felt. Um, any more big call-outs? We're going to wrap up soon because, like I say, we're literally just reacting to this as it's happened and we've had no time to process it. But um, either of you, any any big call-outs we've not touched on yet? Yeah, the um, part where Burchett asked, you know, he asked Grush if anyone had been murdered. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty intense. And, yeah, I think the, the quote um, from Grush's answer was, "I directed people with that knowledge to the appropriate authorities." So that's, uh, I think, something to keep an eye on. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's huge. Yeah, that that is one thing that, if there comes a point of, and I think this was touched on in the legislation, wasn't it that people will get a, a pass if they have harbored technology, harbored organic material, you know, under special access programs in the name of whatever. But if people have committed criminal acts, and I think it's very much aimed at that murder and a Scottish accent, murder, okay, murder or murder, um, any of those for pick your, pick your poison, then yeah, that's, that's pretty inadmissible, isn't it? And that's not something they're going to say, yeah, you've gave us the bodies, so yeah. we'll let you off with it. You know, the people you threw off of balconies who accidentally shot themselves in the back of the head five times, I think is what Mr. Burchett likes to say, isn't it? Like Russian window disease or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As he says, yeah. Um, and Graham, what about you? Anything we've missed? I mean, obviously the, the the Vandenberg thing was big because it was something that we really hadn't heard of before. But I think it was just little things like, you know, the mention there was a multi-decade effort to describe to UAP, uh, to UFO witnesses and the issue itself. Um, there was also a line about the F-35, the new Lightning II, how it wasn't built as a what they call an ISR 
platform uh, you know, uh, to, to gather information, uh, getting information from its radar systems, et cetera, et cetera, was, well, uh, the, 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 there's a pain in the butt. So it wasn't like a case of, you know, there's a, we've got all these intelligent platforms out there, you know, on aircraft and stuff, and it's easy just to get the information off it so we can see what's going on. Apparently there was an, it was an mission there that it wasn't actually that easy uh, in real life to be able to download this information, to get it off the various platforms and to put it together in, in a format that we can actually look at. So I think that, that was interesting. Um, and then, of course, uh, Gates, when he was talking about Eglin, um, um, which obviously we haven't covered, that he sees this UAP photograph uh, that he hadn't recognised uh, what the object was, uh, and he'd been on various committees where they've dealt with intel with intelligence and military and defence matters. Um, there was those was it the four lights that were in a diamond um, that he mentioned. Yeah, um, uh-huh. yeah, and there was a radar image that Gates had seen as well, uh, and the fact that the, the radar system had basically f- it almost fried itself, um, and there was a, the FLIR had man- a, a malfunctioned as well, and the pilot I think had to take a manual image of, of the, the objects himself, uh, otherwise they wouldn't have got the, the photograph. So I thought that was that was quite interesting as well. There was a nice little kind of series of questions regarding that. Um, Fravor sort of came into his own at the end when the. They basically asked him, you know, if your aircraft was armed, would you have been able to shoot the Tic Tac down? And he went, no. It was just a flat no. Um, And then they also said, well, you know, if it was the tables were turned and it was aggressive, you know, um, would it have been able to kind of shoot you down? And he went, yeah. (laughs) And there was this kind of, it wasn't a kind of like intake of breath behind, but it was almost a case of, you know, oh, we've got a problem here. And you can see the congressman thinking, you know, yeah, this is an issue we need to take seriously because this is obviously a big defense matter. And, you know, if you've got a, a, um, a fairly um, sort of like, you know, intelligent, um, decorated and respected U.S. Navy commander here saying that we can't defend ourselves against, against these things potentially, then, you know, we need to sit up and take notice. So, yeah, that was uh, that was a big thing. Um but also the Fravor was pestered to actually come forward six times by a friend. <laughs> I thought that was quite good as well. Um, so, yeah, there was, there was lots of things. If you dig deep enough, you'll, we'll find other nuggets, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, there was, there, was, there was lots of good stuff in there, a lot more than I thought there would be. Yeah. I think Fravor said it, he, he was like, it, it would have left. If it, yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah, they tried to shoot it down, wasn't it? Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just like Okay, we have a problem here. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so overall, I think we're all saying this was a this was a real success and a real win. Um, I'm just checking the poll, and it's slightly increased to eighty three point one percent. Yes, that's two and a half thousand votes now. Six um, percent no, ten percent unsure. So, yeah, I think it's fair to say the overwhelming opinion is this is this has been good, and I hope over the next twenty four to forty eight hours and beyond that. It, keeps in the media cycle there's positive reporting on it i think the bbc albeit has picked up the story their analysis is pretty poor i think already looking at it without going into great detail as i've not had the chance to yet reaction pod folks um is that they are looking at a lot of questions being ducked and it's like well that's there's a lot of things that can't be said because of the information but that's a lack of knowledge on the journalist part so Hopefully these things pick up as as the days and hours uh, hours go on. And and gents, thank you very much. Um, one more question, uh, yes or no for you. I'll come to Graham first. Um, are we getting going to get more hearings in the next six months? Yes. Close. 
Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I don't see how we can't. Yeah, I'll, I'll make that a clean sweep of three yeses as well. Look out for more reaction pods in the coming days, folks. For more uh, news on this as we as we have it coming in. And I will speak to everyone else. Thank you very much to my guests and speak to you all very soon. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shut out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little bread. Imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back and nearly kissed myself. Then I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head. And everything was weird and everything was red. I called up my boys. They thought this was noise. They thought it was a dream. They thought it was my toys. They thought it was my problems. And I think I should see because it doesn't really scare me. If you really want to know who I think I'd be, I think it's you and me and us and we and him and her and that and she and that thing over there and what's that, Jay?